has messed everything up, and a lot of us get caught up in its values and ideals. And Jesus wants to change all of that. It's challenging, sometimes difficult, but also everything we could ever want. Here's Pastor David. You and me are going to be called on and called out. Called on and called out by our loving Father in this study, in this scripture. We need to have the right heart attitude as we face that. We need to prepare ourselves every week as we come in during this series. We need to be preparing ourselves. There's a lot of other things going on in the world, but this is going to transform you. This is going to transform you because this is from Jesus. Jesus is going to be pushing on us pushing against us, pushing against our ideas of what it means to be a Christian. I've been in the church and a Christian for a long time, and I've seen a lot of different people's vision or view of what it means to be a Christian. For some people, being a Christian just means you don't cuss or drink beer. For them, that's what being a Christian is. For some people, it means you're a Republican or a Democrat or an environmentalist or a gun rights person or your uncle was a pastor, so you're good, or you think that being a Christian means that you only worship with an organ, or that you only worship with an electric guitar, or that you know, you, being a Christian just means that you're really nice to everybody, or it means you have a fish on your car, whatever you think, whatever's out there, whatever is in our minds about what it means to be a Christian, Jesus is going to tell us in no uncertain terms what it actually means to follow Christ. And very little of what we just talked about is going to be in there. It's going to talk about what it actually means to be a child of the kingdom of heaven, to be separate, to be different. Jesus is going to cut through all our nonsense. Just to the bone, he's going to cut us. And he's going to make us question all of the things that our culture and this world values. It's going to make us have to think through what we've bought into about what our world and our culture values. See, Jesus turns the world right side up. Even for those of us who don't always realize how upside down it is. Sometimes we get very used to the upside downness and when the right side up comes, it ends up feeling like upside down, even for us. Culture says that we know better than God. That's what culture says. It says it loud. It says it continuously. It says that we know better than God what is good for us when it comes to human relationships, when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to work, family, marriage, you name it. Culture says we know better than God. After all, they say, the Bible is old school, right? It's a Bronze Age, blah, 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 blah. You've heard this. We don't need that book. We know better what love is all about. Here's the thing. Jesus is going to come back and remind us about something. It's going to remind us that God is love. God is love. We only know what love is if we understand that old school Bible. We only know what love is if we understand that old school Bible and Jesus' teachings. If you don't understand that, you have no idea what love is. You're upside down. Jesus is going to show us that he gets it, we don't get it. He gets it, we don't get it. And we do not get to say how it goes, he does. Not you do you, he's going to tell us, you do me. We need to follow Jesus and do what he says. But that's not what culture says, right? He's going to push back against that. He's going to push back against the idea that God is just kindness. Because that's a famous one too. 
well, if you're really a Christian, then you'd be okay with fill in the blank. Because isn't it just more important to be kind? Sometimes, but not always. Not always. God is not some senile grandpa in the sky who's just, oh, I hope everyone's having a good time. Just be kind. That's not God. That's not the fiery God of Scripture who loves with a passion, a jealous passion that cannot be quenched, who wants you and relationship with you and will, and will have no other in front of him. He's, not, he's no senile grandpa. That's not who God is, and Jesus is going to show us that. He's going to tell us that God is just and that he brings judgment and that your house will fall if it's not built on the rock, no matter what you think. He's going to tell us that there's a heaven and that some people, some of us, will be with him there. But you know what else he's going to say? He's going to tell us that there's a hell and that some people will go there. So for all of those who want to ignore all that, you're going to have to cut a lot of stuff out of this to keep a notion that there's no hell because he's going to tell us about that. He's going to tell us that not everyone who claims to know him and to be his follower is going to go to heaven and is going to be with him. He's going to cast away some people from himself. He's going to tell some people, I never knew you. And here's the thing. That may sound like, yeah, there's a lot of people, Hitler, you know, whatever. Here's the thing. Some of those people who he's going to say, I never knew you, are people who have done wonders in his name. Most of you probably haven't done a lot of wonders in his name, right? I'm not doing wonders in his name all the time. Some people who have done wonders in his name, he's going to tell, I never knew you. Because they were hearers and not doers. Because they didn't really have a relationship with him. He's going to push against us. He's going to push against the idea that behavior doesn't matter or that you can live a life in Christ and, and have no good fruit for the kingdom. He's going to tell us that a tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. And you're going to have to say, reflect on yourself and your life and what kind of fruit is coming out of it. He's going to push against that. He's going to give us a new way, a kingdom of heaven way, to measure success that looks nothing like the way the world and our culture measure success. It's going to recalibrate our lives and the things that we care and fret and worry about. Do you think money makes you great? Power? Good job? A kid that's an honor student? I've seen that bumper sticker. Somebody think that's, that's a big deal? You think those are the things that, that are great? Jesus is going to blow all that up. Those are not the things that make you great. He's going to transform your affections, your desires, away from yourself and your worries and your comfort. Jesus is going to show us that the culture of the kingdom of heaven has nothing to do with, is not about self-protection, self-absorption, or self-centeredness, even though our culture is all about that. Every ad that you see is appealing to your self-absorption, your self-protection, and your self-centeredness. The whole world is aimed at that because we're so wrapped up in it. He's going to say, that's got nothing, nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven. He's going to show us that commands are commands, not suggestions. And that there are real consequences. 
and that he's not giving you commands for your temporal benefit, for the here and now, right now, so that you can feel good and comfortable. He's not giving this Sermon on the Mount to make you healthy, to make you wealthy, or to make you better at impressing your neighbor. All of these teachings, none of them are for that. Now, most of the self-help teachings that you'll get are all about that, but none of his teachings are about that. This is not about you being successful in the world or the power of positive thinking or any of that. See, those are all temporal goals with temporal results. Listen, what Jesus is going to show us is how to live as an eternal person, as a child of God, as a child of the kingdom of heaven, now and forever. He's going to teach us how to start living the way that we will live for eternity. It's going to change our focus. It's going to change what we're looking at. We're a person. Every one of us is a person made in the image and likeness of God, and he's going to teach us how to live real life, eternal life, which means that the things the world has told you to hold on to, the things that the world has told you are valuable, he's going to command you to let go of those things. You better be ready, including your own physical life. You know, we work out so that our body will look good, right? We work out to feel better, to look better, so that, so that now, in this life, we can have those things. There's nothing wrong with that. It can be good, but it's temporal, right? It's a quid pro quo, something for something, something for something. I put up with some physical pain. I lift these heavy weights. Beach time, got the six-pack abs, right? The world puts almost everything in those terms, as I've said. Everything is about what you can get, what you can get in this life, even, even when they have some distance to them, like save money now so you have more money later, right? Go to school now so you can get a better paying job later. Those are good things. There's nothing wrong with those things, but they all appeal to our self-love, and they're all temporal. They appeal to our desire to experience physical pleasure and security in this physical life in the here and now, but Jesus pushes against all of that. In the 16th chapter of Matthew, he says this, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now that's a big thing. I can always convince somebody to do something to get something. That's not hard to do. It's every sales pitch in the world. But what, when I, what about when Jesus says, lay down your life for your brother and sister in Christ. Lay down your life. Because your life in this world is not worth trying to hold on to then there's no temporal reward. You know why there's no temporal reward? Because you're dead. You lay down your life, it's tough to be like, and then you're going to feel great. You're not going to feel great. You're dead. Now, if you're going to heaven, you're going to feel great. But Jesus modeled that very thing for us, right? He modeled this life. What did he do? He died for you and me. He laid down his life for you and me. It was not making him happy and, 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 and pleasured and so on to lay down his life. And he was God. He could have anything he wanted or do anything he wanted. It would be perfectly within his right to smite every one of us off the face of the earth in our evil, sinful ways. And yet he came down and died for us. That's the model. That's kingdom life. Now, you may not be called to physically die for Jesus. I have no idea if that's coming for you or not. But I guarantee you, I promise you that if you're a Christ follower, you are called to die to yourself to die to your selfishness, to die to your pride, to die to your rebellion, and those are real deaths. To die to those things is difficult and painful. You gotta die to your desire to be praised and valued by other people, your fear of, of men and women instead of your fear of God. 
You gotta die to your rights. Your rights against your brothers and sisters, your rights against your neighbors. I've got my rights, I need my rights. You give up your rights, you get Christ. That's how it works. All of this dying to ourselves is about living. That's about living that real and that eternal life because the kingdom is real and the kingdom is life. That's where life is. The Sermon on the Mount is going to show you what real life looks like. That's what it's going to do. What a powerful, amazing, adventurous, rewarding life feels like. But you got to take the journey and you got to take the dive. And I'm exhorting you to prepare yourself as I'm preparing myself to let this do real work on you. Real work on you. Because once we're touched by Jesus, if we let this, if we let these words in red scratch those dragon scales, we will never be the same. We will be transformed. We will be made newer and newer and newer. And there's no going back. And you would never want to go back, but there's pain in the offering. There's pain in the offering as we, as we give our bodies as living sacrifices made holy and acceptable to God. There's pain in that. There's pain in that. But there's joy in the experience of transformation. Now, here's another thing. I do not promise you, I cannot promise you that you'll be able to take anything that you have now with you to the end of this study. Meaning, you may come out of this teaching and this experience with a call to the mission field. And you may be giving up that nice house in Camas and going and living in a hut in Africa. I don't know. When Jesus starts transforming, it's his world. He does what he wants. You may come out of this without some of the relationships that you went in with. That boyfriend or that girlfriend is drawing you away from the Lord. You may not come out of this study with that relationship intact. You may not come out of this study with a relationship with a friend who's always tempting you to party in a way you shouldn't. That relationship may not be the same when this is over. Your relationship with your family may not be the same when this is over. You may not have the same goals or dreams or plans for your life when this is over. Because Jesus is going to be doing some changing. Here's one. You may not have as much money as God calls you to give to his kingdom. That one getting closer to the heart for some of you? Listen, it may change the way you raise your kids, the way you do your marriage. It may change everything about the way you're living. And all I'll tell you, I'll say the same thing that C.S. Lewis says about Aslan, who represents Christ in those books, says this. This is from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It says, Aslan is a lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan, I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. This journey through the teachings of the one great king, Jesus Christ, will not be safe. If it's safe, if it feels safe, it's not working, but it's good. But it's good. So you need to ask yourself, are you ready? You need to ask yourself on Sunday mornings when you get up during the series, you need to prepare yourself. I'm going in today, and I need to be prepared to let Jesus push up against me, to let Jesus push up against all these things, I gotta be prepared for the idea that I might be wrong about some things. 
That's hard for us. It's hard for me. I got to be prepared to let go of some of the things that yesterday I would have argued to the death and to do- tomorrow after I hear from Jesus, I may have a totally different view on. I may think different about family and politics. I may think different about work. I may think different about money. I may think different about sex. I may think different about all of these things. And I'm willing to let Jesus do that to me because I'm coming in knowing that he's good, but he's not safe. My ideas and my worldview and my values are not safe when the teachings of Jesus push up against them. You get ready for that? You're going to be in for it. And we're going to be a church that cannot be stopped. We're going to prevail against the gates of hell if we let Jesus change us. Just some simple things, some simple tweaks about the way we see the world, about the way we treat each other, about the way we think about life. And we could be his hands and feet in a way that is so powerful that you won't believe the good fruit that comes from it. So let's prepare ourselves as a church. Let's bow our heads. Some of you may not even know Jesus. Some of you may be here just checking it out. You're a skeptic or you're a seeker or you're just wanting to see kind of what Christians do. Checking out spirituality, that's all good. But if you heard something today and it started to tug on your heart, that's the Holy Spirit. And he's calling you into relationship with Jesus, not into some game, not into some uh, coffee mug Christianity. It's not, we're not going to hand you a fish to put on your car and say, go, you're a Christian now. It's the real deal. But if that's you, and if God's calling you, and if he's pushing against you, and if he's, and if he's bringing his heart, your heart towards his heart, then today's the day to just tell him, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I want to follow you. It's that simple. You surrender your life to him. Just in your head, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I know that I'm a rebel. I know that I'm trying to do it my own way. I've scratched my scales off so many times. I can't count. Now I'm looking for you to transform me. I want to make you Lord of my life. I believe you died on that cross and that you rose from the dead the third day, defeating hell and sin and death. And I have a hope because of you. And if that's you this morning and you pray that prayer, you're saved forever, for eternity. You've started a new life. If you've done that, I ask that you'll go to the prayer room, which is right out back when we're done, and let one of our elders that's back there know so that we can pray with you, so that we can get you started on this adventure, on this journey. For the rest of you, I want you to just take a second here in your own heart with God to ask him to start to prepare the ground, to till up the dirt in your heart that he might implant the word in you as we go through this series, that he might implant it in me, that he might implant it in every one of you, that we might grow no matter how young you are or how old you are. Jesus is still teaching. He's still teaching. He's still growing you. Ask him that through this, he will transform your life. It will transform your family. He will transform your affections. He will transform your desires. Father, we ask that you'd be with us through this series and every series, Lord, but I pray especially as we feast on your words, as we hunger and thirst for the righteousness that comes from knowing you, from growing in your teachings, that we would grow closer to you, that we would know you more. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that you're here in this place now. I pray that you would call people to a closer relationship with you and that you would call those who don't know you into relationship with you, that it's time. It's time to move forward. It's time for a real life to truly begin. It's time for us to fully surrender ourselves and take that next step, and there will always be that next step of growth in you for eternity, and we love that. 
We love that. We thank you for it. Lord, I pray for those, for Lila, for others that are sick, for others that, that need the touch. I pray that we would be your hands and feet to them, Lord. I pray for those who are struggling financially. I pray for those who are, who are struggling with depression, with anxiety, with difficulties in life. Lord, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. I pray you would heal and touch every one of us. Lord, I pray that you forgive our sin, make us right before you this morning, that we might go out this week as your children, as children of the kingdom of heaven. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. So did you pray that prayer to receive Jesus as your Savior? If so, obviously you can't go to the prayer room, but won't you call us? We'd love to help you get started in your brand new life. Call us at 360-885-9000. Or if you do want that prayer room, come see us this Sunday morning. All the info you need is just a click away at axchurchnw.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time as we get into those amazing words in red. That's right here on Contemplate.